Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea, Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. say that Jesus is? How will we proclaim Jesus the Messiah? There are so many key phrases in today's gospel, words and sentences that jump out of us, that grab our attention and demand a response. Jesus is walking with his disciples. It's a normal everyday walk, working his way from one place to the other. Who do people say that I am? The question does not seem to catch the disciples off guard. In fact, they have responses for him right away, so they must have been listening. Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others that you are one of the prophets. Isn't this the same thing that we hear today? Jesus was a great teacher. Jesus was a loving man like Gandhi. Jesus was a prophet or a wise man. Jesus is a pretty cool dude. A man I could totally follow. Great teachings. Yeah, he's a man. A wise man. Yeah, maybe even a teacher. Do you hear the subtle undercurrents in these words? All of these phrases point to Jesus being a man. Only a man. Who will we say that Jesus is? Is he John the Baptist? Or Elijah? Or one of the prophets? As they continue their walk, Jesus doesn't just let it rest there, though. Now he knows what others are saying about him. But he's been living with these people who are traveling with them. He's been with them for a while now. They've heard him teach. They've uh, been with him as he talked to the crowds, and so he takes the question one step further. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Now the disciples who were all ready to answer for other people 
they had a lot of ideas about what everyone else was saying about Jesus. But now as the focus turns to them, only one of them can answer. Peter, boisterous, overzealous, loving Peter proclaims, You are the Christ. You see, this proclamation means that Jesus is more than Elijah, more than John the Baptist. Jesus is more than a prophet. Who will we be like? The world would have us say that Jesus is only a teacher, only a wise man, only a mortal with special gifts to draw people to himself. And we're, you know, they're really pretty comfortable with that. And actually, we're pretty comfortable with letting them see that Jesus. Because anything else becomes controversial. Anything else makes us uncomfortable. Anything else is really, really scary. Who do you say that I am? Because this question is not just put to the disciples. God's word echoes out of this passage. It sticks in our minds. Hear it again. Hear Jesus ask you, who do you say that I am? Who will you say that he is? Will you take that step? Will you proclaim Jesus as Christ or just a wise teacher? Can we say he is the Christ? And if we do, can we understand what that really means? Can we proclaim Christ and still wrap our heads around what it means for us and for this world? Because Peter has trouble with it. You see, Peter was quick to answer, quick to make that proclamation. He knew the right answer, and yet still he doesn't understand. And whether he didn't want to or whether he couldn't yet, we still don't know. But Peter's words and his understanding of the gravity of his proclamation do not yet coincide. The gospel tells us that Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, that he must be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He speaks plainly about it. And what does Peter do? He takes him aside and begins to rebuke him. Think carefully now about this scene. Jesus reveals to his disciples God's plan. He lays out the future for them. And Peter, who had just spoken out loud the truth about Jesus, suddenly finds himself rebuking that same man. Mark doesn't tell us exactly what Peter said. But you know, rebuke, rebuke is a really strong word. And Peter feels the need to pull Jesus aside to do it, into a private conversation. So maybe he thought, you know, Jesus is going to scare the other disciples with what he's talking about. Or maybe he thinks Jesus just sounds a little crazy. Maybe he just couldn't really believe that this would happen to the Christ whom they had waited so long for. No matter what the reason he said, no matter what he said or the reason that he said it, we can be sure that Peter was shocked by Jesus and the words about being rejected and killed, not to mention being raised again. We can imagine that Peter is shocked because we're shocked too. And the world is shocked by it. 
In fact, we have whole Christian bodies built on nothing more than the stuff that's not depressing or shocking about Jesus. There's a great focus on his love, on being accepting, on being welcoming and opening, about not judging other people's beliefs, about fitting Jesus into our society. You know, I was told as a high school student by my pastor that the reason we didn't do confession anymore at the beginning of a service is because it was too depressing for people. It brought them down before they went into worship. Christianity and Jesus get built into this nice story about a wise teacher who helped a lot of people. And so as Christians, we begin to think that, well, that's all we have to do as well. That's what it means to follow Jesus. But if we're going to follow in Jesus' footsteps, if we want to do that, we build into this story because we don't want to walk into anything depressing. We don't want to deal with any of the icky stuff. And so we leave out the cross. We leave out confession. We talk only about love and not the powerful act of love on the cross. And in doing this, brothers and sisters, we become like Peter. We rebuke Jesus. Get behind me, Satan! It may seem that Jesus reacts strongly, too strongly. Why does he react like this? Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? Peter says to Christ, we say the Christ, and then we defiantly deny what it means for Jesus to be the Christ in our actions and in our words among non-believers, among each other. Jesus was not sent to be a wise man or a prophet or a great teacher. Jesus was sent to be the Savior. He had to die and rise again, because without that, there was no purpose for him coming. We have lots of great teachers and wise people, both before and after Jesus. But the Christ, only Jesus, is the Savior. Only one takes away our sins. Only one bridges the gap between us and the Father that our sinfulness creates. Only Jesus Christ. So if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Who do you say that I am? The Christ? Then deny yourself. Hear my word. Deny the urge to abuke, the rebuke, the urge to bury the truth of the cross, the urge to make Jesus less and ourselves more. Because the cross is ugly, excruciating and a terrifying instrument of death. But you know what? The death that took place on it is the greatest thing that has ever happened to you or to me or to this world. The death is transformed into life, our life in Christ. To follow Christ is to take up our cross, our sins, those things that will bring us only death and follow Jesus. Follow him all the way to the foot of that cross to wade through the waters of our baptism and know assuredly the cleansing of rebirth and new life 
So whom will you tell? How much will you tell? And how will you answer Jesus' question when he asks, who do you say that I am? Amen.